GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand. Hello, thanks for listening to the Gibraltar Today podcast. I'm Jonathan Scott. Well, Thursday evening was set to be wet and windy. We received a weather advisory for heavy rain and gale force winds in effect until 1am on Friday. We heard more from the Met Officer's Chris Burton. An evening of spooky stories in a haunted library in a production designed to chill, thrill and make you chuckle darkly. It's organised by theatre makers and we found out more from director Andrew Dark and one of the cast members, Harry Kumar. And we also found out more about Bosom Buddies' latest fundraiser. The charity recently raised £7,000 with their Model for a Day fashion show and they're back with a golden opportunity, which is said to be a celebration of fashion, dance, song and music, which will take place at the Sunborn Hotel on Wednesday. We found out more from William Gomez and Jackie Daly. But we start the podcast with politics. The leader of the opposition has now assigned the responsibilities of the shadow cabinet. Newcomer to parliament, Joel Ladislaus, takes on two big portfolios, health and justice. We spoke to her in the studio. But first, almost a week after a narrow election defeat, how is the leader of the opposition, Keith Asopardi, feeling? And how will he approach the next four years? Questions that our news editor, Christine Vasquez, put to him. Hi, Jonathan. Um, it's interesting to, to listen to you and, and, and hear the stories that are making the news today because uh, life goes on, doesn't it? We thought that the election was all-encompassing and now we hear United Nations. Next week, of course, we've got the Gibraltar Day in London, finance in the capital. But yes, I suppose there was a lot. There were a lot of things as well that didn't happen during uh, the election campaign, and there's almost like a bit of a backlog, no? That's right. My favourite was the the cocktail parties. I think there's those should have been your lead today, <laughs> at cocktail party. Okay, so um, uh, the opposition and their portfolios. So Keith Asobardi, as leader, keeps uh, post Brexit issues, European and international affairs. Um, self-determination, very few surprises, a lot of what was expected. He does the economy, personal status and immigration. Uh, Damon Bossino, housing, lands and transports. Roy Clinton, finance and value for money, no surprises there. And Craig Sacarellos, uh, business, trade, industry, utilities and community. That's quite and, a lot. Yeah, uh, interesting, the community, because as we know, the government has uh, organised constituency MPs. I asked uh, Mr. Sobadi whether the GSC was going to mirror that in some way, and he said no, but Craig has been given responsibility for community and civic engagement. So that's where they're sort of doing that same function. Okay. Edwin Reyes, Education, Employment and Culture. So um, he... He keeps sport as well and broadcasting. Joel Ladislaus, Health and Justice. Giovanni Origo, Environment, Tourism, Youth and Equality. So a young face on uh, youth and equality. And Atrish Sanchez, as we know, she's been very involved um, with care and opportunity. So she has disabilities as well within her, her portfolio. And um, what was the ambiente like at the, at the press conference? Um, 
it, it was actually uh, an interview with the leader of the opposition. Um, he He's obviously disappointed, I think, because he said they'd got so close. So there is disappointment. Um, so four years in, in opposition, you sort of, I think you have to now heal a bit from the election, move on, regroup. He says, um, the, talking of the actual result, he led his party to Parliament in 2019 when he himself hadn't even been in Parliament. Uh, the advances made, he said, were clearly not enough, but that they will continue working, delivering the message and to prove that they are a strong alternative to government. Shall we hear from him? We were a swing of 150 votes away from achieving the change that I thought so many people wanted. Clearly, we've been given a very specific role um, by the people of Gibraltar, which is to, to, from the opposition benches, to continue our work. That's what we're going to do. It's a 9-8 scenario. It was a very, very tight election. We've come a long way since the last election when a lot of people wrote us off, and we will continue our work. And that's what the GSD will, will do. So... Um uh, what's your sense? Will Keith Asabardi be the leader of the opposition for the next four years and will he contest the next election as the leader of the GSD? I don't think even Keith Asabardi can know that right now. I think he's just come out of an intense campaign. He certainly, he has, he's safe in the knowledge, put it that way, that he is backed by almost half of the electorate as leader of the GST, I think that keeps him in quite a safe position. It's not an election where you'd immediately ask, are you going to resign? It hasn't been like that. As he says, he has gained uh, opposition members. So I think Keith will, Mr. Sobadi will have to sort of come out of this one, give him a bit of time, start getting back into Parliament, start being an opposition, which is the role that the people have entrusted him to do, and then time will tell. Four years is a very long time, and as he said, it is a 9-8. So that slim majority in Parliament, anything could happen. Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. The leader of the opposition, Keith Asopardi, has assigned responsibilities to his shadow cabinet. So there are eight MPs, including uh, himself, uh, and uh, one of them uh, is new to Parliament, and she's here with us now. Joel Ladislaus uh, will take charge of two big portfolios, health and justice, um, and uh, and you'll also monitor the uniformed services, police, fire, customs and border, borders and coast guards. Um, how do you feel about uh, those responsibilities, Miss Ladislaus? Good afternoon, Jonathan. Um, I am very honoured and humbled to have been given um, two such portfolios, uh, one being to do with the well-being of our community, the other one with the general safety um, of our community, and I think those go very well hand in hand. Um, I am extremely excited to get started on work, and um, I'm energised and, and ready to, to fulfil my, my commitment. So, so we've had like a period um, of weeks, maybe four, five, six weeks, where um, uh, minds have been focused on the election campaign. How do you then turn that focus into, I mean, obviously you didn't know whether you were going to get uh, a government seat, uh, an opposition seat, or no seat at all. Um, in your case, you, you've you've got a, an opposition uh, seat. You're soon to become a member of parliament. Because I was thinking earlier, 
Parliament is still dissolved and it hasn't uh, yet been constituted again. But uh, you've got significant responsibilities. How do you transition from the election campaign uh, and the messages and the things you were saying then to now getting on with the work of being um, a, a salaried member of the opposition? Um, it's taking the momentum that we built up during the campaign. Um, and taking all the information from having spoken to the different associations, the different individuals, stakeholders, um, and then moving forward to hold the government to account, which is what we've been essentially elected to do. That's our job and our role. And what do you think uh, the right tone will be? How do you approach the the start of this four years? The, the, obviously, uh, the election campaign was a particular uh, battle and, and it was fairly intense at times um uh, do you think that that'll continue or will the tone be reset um it, it's been one of the closest elections um in history um and so that tells us that obviously almost half of the electorate um wanted that change so um i think that there needs to be a, a very high momentum kept um in order to to deliver for for that half and also to to convince the those who didn't vote for us, that we are that change that should happen in future. It's a difficult balancing act, isn't it? Because um, uh, the people who voted for the GSLP Liberals, and there were more of them, uh, will probably disagree with a lot of what you're saying, but you still have to work for them. Oh, absolutely. And we will work um, just as hard for them because this is about the whole community. Um, and, and of course, um, politics isn't just or, or should not be just about um, a slinging match. So um, this is about also working together where possible for the good of Gibraltar. So our role is to keep them in check, uh, to keep the government um, moving towards the goals um, of improving certain sectors. Um, and we're going to do just that. In the case of health, which is um, one of your principal responsibilities now as uh, the member of the opposition, the shadow health minister, um, we have heard uh, in the past Marlene Hassan Naon, for example, being praised uh, for uh, um, the approach that she took to looking after inquiries of a health nature. She, I think, Parliament has heard, uh, and Hansard would reflect, that she didn't always use it um, politically. She would often sort of take, you know, try to get to the bottom of an issue and then take that information to the health minister and say, I think you need to help this person for reasons A, B and C. Is that the sort of thing that you think you could do? I, I would hope so. Um, I mean... There was um, an existing relationship between the health minister and I in that I had known her for a number of years. Um, I have worked professionally with her in the past and I would um, extend my my assistance wherever wherever needed and wherever possible um, because I think that if, if in, on certain issues obviously we're going to differ because policy, we're not on the same um, boat in terms of policy but, um, but I do think that there are areas that we can tackle um, and we should tackle together um, as Gibraltarians and because because we we sometimes uh, hear the phrase and 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 I think we have to hear it to to reflect on it um because politics can become so combative that there is a lot on which the government and opposition of the day agree and uh, the inevitable sort of uh, political battles uh, are fought around the small amount of things that you disagree on uh, yes i mean i think there's there's an element of there is an element of truth to that. Um, the thing is that the, 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 
a small um, amount of issues that we tend to disagree on tend to be big issues to, in terms of how um, they impact our community um, and moving forward. And I think that's where the battle lines are, are drawn a lot of the time. So we, we've heard that uh, the, the GSLP Liberals intend to uh, keep, or make, if we just look forward and not comment on what has happened in the past, make uh, the role of the Minister of the Health as depoliticized as possible in the context of uh, overseeing the running of the hospital. Obviously, uh, she has to set policy. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, we, we've heard her say that uh, that uh, she'll uh, she's conscious of the careful balance that she needs to keep between listening to the public and listening to the clinicians. Uh, is this something that uh, you'll be sort of monitoring? Uh, you know, uh, do you... Do you have a view on the extent to which that has been done in the past or the extent to which, you know, that how that balance should be struck going forward? I mean, um, yes, it's music to my ears and I hope that, that that's certainly the case because throughout the campaign you would have heard me say numerous times that um, this is a health service which has unfortunately been micromanaged um, on, on many occasions in the past by this um, current government and um, it's something that needed to stop. And I'm hoping that moving forward, it does stop um, and that clinicians are allowed to run the, the health service because we're not experts in health um, and, and therefore it needs to be, control needs to be given to those experts. Speaking of which, Miss um, Arias Vasquez told us yesterday that if clinicians tell the government that the community mental health team facility should not be moved from Coling Island, where it currently lives, to St Bernard's Hospital, as they uh, committed to in their manifesto, they will rethink that. Um, is, is that, should she be praised for listening to clinicians? Um, throughout our campaign, it has to be said, um, we've been criticised for for the fact that we came out saying that we would um, review things, that we would consult with uh, with stakeholders and also obviously with experts. Um, so it again, it, it seems to be a U-turn um, from from what was occurring during the campaign, um, because obviously they they wanted to to have this facility within St Bernard's. Um, but certainly we have heard, we have also had that information throughout the campaign that St Bernard's is not the um, can be said not to be the appropriate um, place within which to have this. Um, but I do understand that the experts are, um, there are experts on different sides of this. So most definitely there needs to be consultation there. Tell us a little bit about how you intend to manage um, your um, opposition work with your professional work. H how are you going to manage that balance? Um, at the moment, I, I do work some on reduced hours um, on the basis of my children, um, which is again, it's I think it's something that um, that really does assist in in helping me with my political um, side of things. But um, I will pull the hours that need to be pulled. Um, so if it needs it means after the children have gone to bed in the evenings, then that's absolutely fine. I will be working then. But um, I have a very supportive family and husband. And your professional work is as a lawyer. Um, I suppose you mentioned earlier that justice sort of was something that you were happy to take on. It's considered a weighty portfolio. It's your first time as an opposition MP. Um, do you feel sort of the weight of that at all? I absolutely feel the weight of it, um, not least because I come from, from a legal background. Um, and so I see um, daily the the issues that that can sometimes occur when, when certain departments don't have the resources that they need to have, for example. Um, so I'm... I do feel the weight or the responsibility, but I do think I'm, I'm somewhat equipped to, to move forward with that and, and to learn.
Okay, and uh, before we let you go, Ms. Ladislaus, there's a question from John. Uh, he's asking if you can confirm that the prison service comes under your shadow responsibilities as well. I, I believe it does, um, but I, I, I would did definitely need to double-check on that, but I do believe that the prison service does come under my responsibility. Be- because you've got the uniformed services generally, no? Yes. You've got police, fire, customs and borders and coast guards. Exactly. All right. Um, uh, And uh, just to finish off then, uh, how would you summarise the mood in the camp at the GSD opposition? It was a close race. Uh, Are you uh, feeling energised to uh, carry out the work of the opposition? And or are you feeling a little bit deflated that um, you weren't far off entering government, but you haven't? I mean, of course, there's a level of disappointment. Um, we've heard, um, obviously, Keith say um, that there was deep disappointment at, at having lost and by so very little. Um, but what it does show is that um, there is a very big sector of our society who still want change. Um, we are energised. We are ready to move forward. It only spurs us on um, to work for, for Gibraltar's good. And that's exactly what we intend to do. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television, Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. A flash severe weather warning has been issued by the government. A warning of severe gale force winds expected between 6 and 11pm later today. The weather has seen incoming flights diverted and two of them cancelled. And this is what the Met Officer's Chris Burton has had to say about it. Storm Alini is set to bring increasingly strong winds and heavy rain to Gibraltar today. The worst of the weather is expected during this evening, with a spell of torrential rain and strong to gale force winds. 20 to 40 millimetres of rain could fall in just a couple of hours, and with gusts up to 90 kilometres per hour, there will be difficult travel conditions through this afternoon and evening, and the potential for localised flooding. The wind and rain should clear through overnight to leave a cooler but uh, brighter day for Friday. On Radio Gibraltar and on GBC Television, Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. An evening of spooky stories in a haunted library in a production designed to chill, thrill and also make us chuckle, but... um, but apparently make, make us chuckle darkly, which, uh, which I'm interested in finding out more about. Uh, good <laughs> afternoon to, to Andrew Dark, who's, uh, who's actually directing uh, um, this production, and also to Harry Kuma, who's uh, a cast member. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for thank you. having good us. Tales to Tell at Midnight, performed in the style of an old... R- old-time radio show from the 1940s. I mean, what's not to like about this? Well, I think so. I mean, you being radio folk, I thought you would enjoy that very much. So it's a 1940s style. So in the old days of the 1940s, radio was where you went to find out everything for your entertainment, your news. T- there was no TV. There was, there was no was internet. There was no television. That's it. So you went there. So you went there for your entertainment. And there were detective shows, spooky shows, romance shows. There was the Lux Radio Theatre, who it's Lux Soap, would put together um, versions of films. So there'd be a, a famous Humphrey Bogart movie and they would hire, maybe not Humphrey Bogart, they couldn't get him, but they would hire another actor and another lead lady and they would reenact the famous Humphrey Bogart movie on radio and they would have very large live audiences in front of the cast performing live and it would be broadcasting to millions of people at that time. So we're reenacting that flavour of genre here in Gibraltar. 
But, but, but... But, but? To mark, uh, sort of, or to, to coincide with Halloween. Oh, most certainly, yes, most certainly. And to raise money for cancer relief in Gibraltar. A friend of mine uh, passed from pancreatic cancer earlier in the year, and I thought a good way to rem- remember him and turn grief into something positive was to do a fundraiser, and uh, Halloween is a good time to do it. And uh, that's where we're up to. I'm sorry for your loss, Andrew. Thank you, sir. Um, so, so okay, so so uh, let's let's bring in uh, Harry. Uh, tell us a little bit about how the cast has approached uh, this production, uh, and, um, and and a little bit about your role. Well, I mean, it's been a very exciting journey for all of us. I mean, I I don't think I'm the only one in the cast that it's the first time that I've ever done a radio play. So it's a whole new learning experience for all of us. But I think we're approaching it very enthusiastically. We love the stories. Uh, I do a variety of different roles. It's not just one roles. And I think... uh, if those who see it will see the diversity in them, you can get some that are very pleasant, some that are very spooky. But I think that's really what we're trying to do with that night. We're trying to offer a very healthy variety of horror stories and, yeah, to raise money for a very, very important cause. And I think it's a very nice, innovative way of doing that. I love a healthy variety of horror stories. A <laughs> sentence I wasn't expecting to hear today, but I've enjoyed nevertheless. Um, <laughs> and, and tell us, how you said there that it's sort of a, a, a different challenge. Uh, being the, you know, sort of the, the, the uh, production that it is, where, where there's an emphasis on, on it sort of taking the style of an old-time radio show, is it very much about the voice and less about the props? Is there more emphasis on delivery and on tone and timing? Everything is the voice. There are no props. Everything is the voice. So, And that's very challenging for actors because usually they're used to waving their hands around and having stuff to pick up and hold cigarettes to their mouths and say things. And None of that's there. There is no set. Uh, you have microphones. And we'll be using slight projections in the background to give us some kind of... A little bit uh, of atmosphere. A little colour of something for people to look at. But uh, the challenge for the actors, and Harry has actually taken this like a fish to water, is that you only have your voice to go with. And uh, Harry is producing good guys, bad guys, and several different accents you wouldn't believe (laughs) (laughs) for us. Tell us about one of the more uh, challenging accents that you need. Uh, accents? Well, I can do a variety of different accents from various parts of the world. In fact, uh, in the pantomime, which I'm also doing this year, I actually play a French dog who speaks a lot like this. So, you know, it's, it's, it's something that I've always liked and I'm very, very grateful to actually have the opportunity to use accents and to work on the voice. Uh, because as, as Andrew was saying, a lot of the time when we act, we're very conscious about placing, we're very conscious about projection. And even I'm someone who speaks rather loudly a lot of the times it's like you know you do have a microphone by the way you can actually speak lower (laughs) and you know even as a teacher when I was teaching uh like sometimes I would have a very loud voice and the students would think is is Mr Kumar angry with me and it's no it's just that you like projecting so yeah I think it is a different challenge but it's something that I think as actors we will benefit even in ordinary uh plays because we will learn how important it is to get the voice right Okay, so it's a, a, a production which is suitable for um, families uh, from... Oh, most certainly, yes. The age ten, of, like, ten, ten years above. We wanted to try and... Uh, I mean, we, uh, we as theatre makers have taken over from Trafalgar. Trafalgar and various other groups have become theatre makers, so we're doing pantomime uh, each year. And we wanted to try and have another 
traditional kind of family show going and Halloween's a perfect time and Jib has finally really in the last couple of years really kicked into enjoying Halloween a lot. There's a lot going yes, on it's Halloween. definitely picking up, isn't it? It yeah. is, yes. I mean, there's uh, Ghosts at the Incest Hall happening before us as well. God bless them, you know. So, um, yeah, that's what we're doing. Excellent. So, so you're doing this um, on Wednesday the 25th, uh, next Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, the show starts at 8 o'clock. Um, and, uh, and, and you're telling a number of different, but all of them frightening tales. Oh, yes. There's a, a wide range. I'll quickly run through them. We've got uh, Mr. Kipling. We're doing Mark of the Beast. There's The Canterville Ghost by Oscar Wilde. Cask of Amontillado by Mr. Edgar Allan Poe. A couple of the, the chuckles you were wondering about. The dark chuckles are two stories by a very famous writer, Shirley Jackson, who wrote The, the House on Haunted Hill, that we're doing. And we're doing H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's From Beyond. So a little of everything. Uh, how did you go about selecting these, Andrew? Uh, well, actually, three of them were performed by um, Leonard Nimoy and John DeLancey, uh, performed in a th radio company they put together many years ago, called Alien Voices, and they did three of them. And I was enchanted by that idea. And since I was looking to do this, I thought, well, I'll do that. And I just added another three stories myself that I found. And, uh, Harry, have you got any favourites? Well, I mean, that's that's the problem with me. I've never always managed to pick a favourite. I always have multiple favourites. I think that they... I would say the very first one because it's it's uh, it's a Ruyard Kipling one, and uh, I'm half Indian, so there's uh, quite a lot of connection with that. My dad uh, famously put me through the Jungle Book quite a lot, so <laughs> so to do a different play from him and to actually get a bit of the taste of what India was like back then, I think would be quite an eye opener for a lot of people. Uh, it's the British not behaving very well in <laughs> India as well. And this is what we're talking about, what, 150 years ago? Yeah. Yes, it's the British Raj. So there's an awful lot of awful lot of this going Snobbery. on. Snobbery. And not being very nice to the natives. And they do do not do well by it. Yeah. Right. And, and being half Indian, I can cover both sides. So it's <laughs> we're safe on that front. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, okay, so and, and, and what about um, uh, rehearsals? How have they gone? Has it been difficult to sort of find the time? Because, um, you know, it, I, I imagine from, from the, just listening to you that you've put in a lot of hours. Well, yes, and um, it's the way that we did it was to... Um, it's hard to get people to be in things. I mean, they've got lives, God bless them. So uh, by doing something where they don't actually have to learn a script and you condense the, re the rehearsal period, we've literally been every night at my house to save money so we're not spending any money because we're giving 100% uh, to the charity. Uh, just rehearsing my, my house for the last 10 days, getting it together, and uh, that way... We get the best voices. I've got some lovely, lovely people. We've got the entire Lotho clan is coming. Tony, Anthony and Chloe are going to be on stage together. Oh, so Tony, son and Tony, father. Yes. Amazing. Yes, yes. and it's the first time ever on stage together. Wow, Anthony, cool. he was very successful in the panto he did last year. The crowd loved him. I was there, yeah, he was yeah. brilliant. Yeah, and lovely. And Chloe, obviously, as you know very well. I herself. think I've heard her before. Yes, on she the radio. She was on the same stage, <laughs> by the way. Said, yeah. I know, I know. She's a colleague of ours. She, she yes, works at Radio yes. Gibraltar. Yeah, yeah. Um, excellent. So, so, uh, so, so, there's a lovely sort of chemistry there as well as you know, as well as the very much so. After ten days together, you love each other. 
So you must be looking forward to it. It's peaking uh, in just a few days' time. You've still got a, a number more, a number of rehearsals ahead of you. Yeah, we're down to the last few tech rehearsals and getting ourselves ready for Incess Hall next week. And uh, is there sort of uh, such a thing as you know you, when when you um, when you talk to sports people, athletes ahead of their big performance, they have to taper down and make sure that they're not tired for the big nights or the big um, you know uh, actual competitions. Is it the same with you guys that you need to save your voice a little bit and make sure that you're not sort of pushing yourself too hard? Well, I can speak with experience because Andrew was very kind yesterday to give me a day off. I actually offered to sort of do a he little bit good. for my part. And he said, no, to be honest, you've been working really hard. Uh, please take a break. So, yeah, it is important for us actors to to take breaks, but it's also important for us actors to remember not to overcommit to projects. <laughs> so that's something that we also need to learn. But I think, you know, we are, we are trying the best that we can to take the breaks and we're not overexhausted i don't think and i think we we've been treated very well and i think it's really going to be an amazing night for everyone and it's going to be a great feeling for all of us finally bringing it to all of you Okay, so uh, last pitch then for somebody who's listening. Uh, This is happening on Wednesday and Thursday. Tales to tell at midnight. Why should... Um, Why should we go along and and who in particular do you think this would be great for? Well, really, a family show. That's where we pick the kind of stories there are. If you want to take your kids to the theatre and they can have a bit of a spooky night, uh, there's, there's no actually blood on stage. I mean, it is all artificially created by our voices and you can have a family night it's not often you get to actually go out and do something that's true with the kids we're so pushed into particular things um why another reason because it's a really good cause it's a good cause cancer relief which i know gbc support uh, with their open day themselves so um just come along plunk your money down 15 for adults 10 for students starts at 8 p.m be there. How long, more or less, Andrew? Just, uh, it's about 90 it... minutes. There's no interval. Nine zero. Yeah, so yeah. you're out by 9.30. Get the kids in bed. Like that, that's <laughs> literally what I was thinking. <laughs> like a good football match. No, 90 minutes. <laughs> Gibraltar Today with Jonathan Scott. Recently, we told you about Model for a Day, uh, a successful Bosom Buddies um, fashion show raised over £7,000, which is a very impressive amount. And uh, the charity put a lot of work into it, but uh, it's still got more left in the tank and it's putting together another fundraiser. Uh, Good afternoon to William Gomez and Jackie Daly. Thank you for joining us. Hi. Uh, uh, so a golden opportunity um, tell us a little bit about it it's happening next Wednesday um, just six days away at the Sunborn Hotel what can we expect well obviously you can expect an evening of fashion um, it's something that we look forward to every year we've been doing it for the past 17 years minus one which was a COVID year but um, and obviously all the buddies are cancer survivors and they all look forward to this it's like the important event of of the year for us so a, a very good ambiente no? yes very 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 good i mean um it's like having been with them for the past 17 years like i said before um people come and people go and obviously it doesn't matter part of the way but we, we we stay together it's like you know it's like greeting every uh, having greetings every day on a group chat that we have like most people have as well <laughs> but you know but it's just staying in touch and looking up for each it's other like, like an extended family I've yes seen you it guys is and... yes it is 
and creating very good friendships as well. Yeah, excellent. Um, but 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 uh, it's also sort of putting on a show. Uh, and and William, tell us a little bit about how you're approaching it as the producer. Well, the the, the show is is obviously a, a mixture, a little mix of of fashion uh, with music involved. Uh, we have uh, dance uh, dance performances as well, um, and it's it's basically a a good, hopefully a very good, enjoyable evening um, uh, for everybody attending. Excellent. Uh, um, so, uh, tell us a little bit about how uh, many people are involved and and how you are preparing for the big day on Wednesday. Well, we've got the the buddies obviously already uh, very very keen on on their rehearsals. Um, we've had a little uh, the the few little problems that arise uh, with, with obviously you know these things, but everything's got going very well, and hopefully by Monday. We will be uh, having our rehearsals at the venue, which is always very, very important. Uh, it's not easy finding uh, alternate places for rehearsals which are going to mirror the 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 uh, what you're going to get on the actual Plan, venue. The, the space would be different. Exactly, it's it's all very different. But like I say, everything's going very well. Um, I've been in contact as well with all the the uh, outside performers who are going to be uh, giving their time and and their their art to to the show, and everything's going well. Everything, everybody's ready, and uh, the the show in earnest you know, starts Monday with with our rehearsals on site. We have a dress, uh, sorry dress rehearsal on Tuesday, and then the show on Wednesday. Excellent. And uh, and when you mentioned that there are always little hiccups along the way, uh, Jackie, you you've done enough of them to know mm. that uh, <laughs> they're almost inevitable. No, but but you get there. Always, in the end. we always get there. Yes. Um, obviously, I would like to mention that although. And I know um, that William is producing the show this year, but obviously, and I'm the stage manager, but I would also like to mention Miguel Peña, who has been with with me for as long as I can remember. He's brilliant. And obviously, uh, we have Alex Pito on board as well, who's choreographing another part or another uh, routine as well. So, and obviously, the buddies are really, really eager to go. Tomorrow, they're trying out their outfits, their outfits yes, from Florida stores. So, because she's very kindly, this year um, she was the one that says that she would uh, well help out with the clothes. So, yes, it's something to look forward to. I'd like to mention that on Wednesday to point out that there are still tickets left, right? So you can go to buytickets.gi, you can get your tickets there, but there are some tickets left. We will be having like a cocktail before the show, so that should start about 7-ish. 7-ish, William? 7.30. Yes, we would have a cocktail. So we're going to have um, a a drink, yeah, a Prosecco, but a piece of cake, a very kind of as well, mini cupcakes as well. So, yeah. A bit of a sugar rush. The, and a party before a party. A, a party before bubbles. a party, but yes, What's we are, we are looking like, forward yeah? to it. Yeah, <laughs> we are looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar Today. I'm Kellyanne Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand.